Welcome to Unconscious. This is episode 16, Understanding Cosmetics Labeling. Welcome to Unconscious. I'm your host, Liz Cook, functional nutritionist and founder of One Seed Organic Perfumes. Are you a bit of a label junkie like me, analyzing and deciphering every single product you buy? Or do you feel a bit overwhelmed by it all and not even sure where to start? In this episode, we talk about some of the basics of cosmetics labeling, the requirements for labeling, how ingredients are listed, and what may be in your bottle but not necessarily on the label. You'll get a good understanding of the basics around cosmetics labeling and start to be able to decipher that gobbledygook on the back of your lotions, shampoos and perfumes. So let's jump in. Today we're doing a little label analysis 101. Well, actually, it's probably not so basic, but it is essential. We're looking at cosmetics and fragrance labeling and in more specific detail, fragrance allergens. Most of us are avid label readers when it comes to food. If you're like me, it can take you 15 minutes just to get down one aisle of the supermarket because of all the analysis required. When it comes to food, I'm specifically looking at labels for things I want to avoid. Artificial additives, both those listed in plain sight and those disguised as something else, as well as trans fats, sugar, preservatives, and so on. You might also be looking for protein content, carbs, etc., There's a lot of information on food packaging and most of it's understandable and can be deciphered pretty quickly once you're in the habit. Cosmetics, on the other hand, is a minefield for most of us. So complicated with words we never use in everyday life and many we've never heard of, much less understand what they're doing there. Analysis of cosmetics labels is a learned skill, that's for sure, and a whole other podcast episode or two. So today we're going to focus on just a few things. Understanding the basics of how cosmetics ingredients are listed, uncovering what might not be on the label, and understanding fragrance allergens. I'm going to give you a quick overview of the cosmetics ingredients panel, and then we'll dive into a bit more detail so you can better analyze your cosmetics at home or next time you're at the store. If you have them handy, you might want to grab a bottle of shampoo or lotion or perfume so you can get some visual context. Oh, and when I say cosmetics, I'm talking about that as a category, including skincare, makeup, fragrance, hair care, soap, and so on. In Australia, it's the ACCC that dictates the guidelines for cosmetics labeling, but these laws are not all-encompassing, as you might expect. They don't set standards for product safety, so there's still a gaping hole in this area, which means that just because it's on the shelf and available for sale does not mean it's safe but I digress. Here are the requirements for cosmetics products labeling safety according to the ACCC. By law, ingredients are listed in order of descending percentage, down to 1%, and then anything less than 1% can be listed altogether as a group. Ingredients must be listed in descending order, either by mass or volume. You don't need to list the quantity or percentage of each ingredient, but you can do so if you wish. But here's an interesting loophole. You don't need to include incidental ingredients in the ingredients list. Incidental ingredients, as listed in the document, are those that have no technical or functional effect in the cosmetics product and are only present at insignificant levels. But who decides what's an insignificant level? There are many situations where a microdose of a substance is detrimental to health and many where small doses are actually more dangerous than large doses. 
Ingredients considered incidental include the following. Processing aids that are added during the production process and then removed before the product is packaged in its final form. Ingredients that have a technical or functional effect in the product process and are converted to a substance already listed as an ingredient without significantly increasing the concentration of that ingredient. Ingredients that have a technical or functional effect in the production process but are present in the finished product at an insignificant level. Again, who decides what that level is? Any ingredient, regardless of concentration, that has a technical or functional effect in the cosmetic must be listed as an ingredient. But doesn't every ingredient in a formula have a technical or functional purpose, even if it's just as a thickener? And what if it has no other purpose as it relates to the function of the product, but it's potentially harmful or allergenic? Should that be included? Also part of the guidelines is that ingredients can be listed either as the English word or the inky or international nomenclature cosmetic ingredient equivalent. Some brands will list both, and in some regions of the world, both must be listed. But in Australia, our labelling requirements are much less stringent, unfortunately. So you may find on the label you're looking at, there might just be the English version. The word flavour or fragrance or aroma can be used instead of listing all the components that make up that flavor or fragrance. And by the way, there can be up to 200 ingredients in that one flavor or fragrance. Listing all of those ingredients is optional. Now, have you ever noticed that little plus or minus symbol on your product label? What does that mean? The list of ingredients may include a reference to color additives or fragrance additives that are not in the cosmetic product if the color additive is added to some batches of the product for color matching is used in one or more but not all items of a cosmetic product range, and if a cosmetic product contains the colour additive that fits the above description, the list of ingredients must either use the words may contain or similar followed by the name of the additive or the little symbol plus or minus and the name of the additive. So just because there's a plus and a minus doesn't mean the ingredient is actually in that product, but it is included in some other products in that range. You may have heard me speak before about confidentiality provisions or trade secret protection that enables a company to use ingredients in a product and not to have them listed. It's actually legislation, not just a loophole. Let me explain. The ACCC states that the minister may, on application, grant confidentiality status in relation to an ingredient if the minister is satisfied that revealing the name of the ingredient would prejudice a trade secret and the ingredient in the product is unlikely to cause harm to the consumer. If ingredient confidentiality is granted, the ingredient can be shown as other ingredient on the list. Now, unfortunately, a company or manufacturer does not have to provide evidence that the ingredient is unlikely to cause harm. They can simply not list it, and no one is any the wiser. The ACCC advises that retailers should provide safety to consumers. A great suggestion. But that just doesn't seem to be happening. They suggest that as a retailer, you may wish to add value to your customer service by encouraging consumers to follow some simple tips when buying cosmetics, such as always check that the cosmetics you use have information on the ingredients, check that you're not allergic to any of the ingredients in the cosmetics you use, speak to your doctor if you have any concerns or if you're not sure, and if you have sensitive skin or are prone to allergies, visit your doctor or a clinical dermatologist before using new cosmetics.
They say if you have an allergic reaction to a cosmetics product, stop using the product immediately and seek medical advice. Now, a lot of that is excellent advice, but are you likely to visit a doctor or dermatologist before you venture out to buy a new skin cream or perfume? Highly unlikely, unless you have serious eczema or skin cancer already being treated. Ever met a doctor that knows anything about cosmetics ingredients or cosmetics allergens or cosmetics or skincare generally? I certainly haven't. Now let's swing across to fragrance allergens. You may have noticed words such as linalool, citral or citronellol on the ingredients panel. Have you ever considered what these are and what they're doing on the panel? In Australia, there is no requirement to list allergens, but any products which are available for sale in Europe must include an allergen declaration, and this basically covers fragrance ingredients. The EU has provided guidelines for listing ingredients which are potential skin irritants. There are 26 allergens in these guidelines, some of which are natural, some synthetic, and some which could be either natural or synthetic. However, the 26 allergen guidelines are all about contact allergies, not toxicity, which is a good start, but it doesn't go to the heart of the issue, the potential organ and system toxicity of many synthetic fragrance ingredients. According to the EU regulations, perfume allergens must be declared on the label of ingredients when they're present in concentrations exceeding 0.001% in leave-on products like creams and lotions and 0.01% in rinse-off products such as shampoos and soaps. The Scientific Committee on Consumer Safety, or the SCCS, has published a fact sheet where they explain that 1-3% to of the European population have an allergy due to fragrance ingredients. It states that a number of substances have been identified by the SCCS as likely to cause allergic reactions and it will be necessary to restrict their use and or impose certain conditions concerning them. In order to ensure that consumers are adequately informed, the presence of these substances should be mentioned in the list of ingredients and consumers' attention should be drawn to the presence of these ingredients. This information should improve the diagnosis of contact allergies among consumers and should enable them to avoid the use of cosmetics product which they do not tolerate. There's a lot to dissect in that statement, but for today I want to focus on this. Does the information required in these guidelines actually adequately inform the consumer? Would you know if you had an allergy to linalool or geraniol? And would you even know where to go to find out if you have allergies to these molecules? In reality, you're much more likely to know if you have a problem with coriander or roses, and so including that sort of information on the label would actually be informing the consumer in a helpful way, not to mention requiring a full list of ingredients to appear on the label. So you could avoid all of the ingredients you'd prefer not to come in contact with, including, and perhaps more critically, synthetic chemicals. Did you know that around 35% of us are sensitive to synthetic fragrance ingredients? And around 5% of us have debilitating multiple chemical sensitivity. Are these not much more urgent health issues to address than contact allergies in 1-3% to of the population? Once again, I always swing back to the need for transparency and real transparency. It's not difficult to simply require manufacturers to list all of the ingredients they use on a label, no exceptions. Then we can make up our own minds. I hope you've found this helpful today and that the next time you flip over a bottle and take a look at the ingredients, it will start to make a little more sense and you'll be asking a few more questions. 
As always, I encourage you to do your own investigation and research on all of these topics and educate yourself about how your own body works and how nature works on your body. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, rate us in Apple Podcasts and share us with your friends. For more information about One Seed or to find health and wellness articles in our journal, visit oneseedperfumes.com.